The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome to Passion, a show all about sex, love, and relationships. I am Paris. Dr. Lori is away. She's on vacation for the next two weeks. If you follow her on social media, you'll see her latest posts from Greece at Dr. Lori Batito if you want to live vicariously through her and enjoy the sunshine while we're getting the cool September breeze. Uh, so we are going to keep the same schedule as always. Whenever I sit in for Dr. Lori, I make sure that we keep the same schedule as she would keep, bring in the experts. I'm not a doctor like she is, so definitely need the experts on to get their perspectives on the topics that we're discussing. Tonight, it's the latest in technologies that have to do with sexuality, relationships, and dating. The show is dedicated to educating all of us on the latest, so we we brought in Dr. Jason Behrman. I mean, we bring him in every month <laughs> on this. So thank you for being here. He's a researcher at the Montreal Artificial Intelligence Ethics Institute. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, so it's a not-for-profit. It was started by uh, Abhipchek Gupta, and um, it's like a small institute that they have now. And uh, we research uh, different aspects of uh, artificial intelligence technologies, its application in society, and we try to identify key uh, ethical issues with uh, this technology. And then we use that kind of analysis to develop uh, rules, laws, regulations, best practices on how to, to use AI. And Dr. Behrman is here to share his insight. Answer your questions if you have any. You can text us at 514-800. Obviously, the questions relate to you know, relationships, technology, artificial intelligence. Um, but we're not, last night it was Trouble Tuesday and we answered relationship questions. So it's mm-hmm. not those kind of questions tonight. And by the way, the people who did send in extra questions that we didn't get to, we will get to your questions next Tuesday. Amanda Luderman is going to be joining us again. So tonight we're going to be talking about the risks of algorithms when you date, uh, the problems with facial recognition technology and adult entertainment and trading sex for a roof over your head. I'd heard about this before, but before the show started, I was talking to Dr. Behrman and the the insight you shared, I was I was so shocked. So I hope our listeners will tune in uh, later to the program because it is very sad. It's very surprising. And I'm shocked that it's actually happening in Canada, too. So we're going to get to that later. But first, finding for Prince Charming or... Princess. Princess Charming. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Finding your significant other mm-hmm. and doing so depending on dating apps. Yes. What are and, the risks and the te- of that? The technology that is used to match you with your ideal mate. So... um now, uh, there was just a, a long-running survey by research at Stanford um, that was released uh, not too long ago, and they show that 40% of new heterosexual couples met online in, t- in 20, uh, 2017, and uh, gay couples, it was 60%. So a lot of people in the Western world now are meeting like and getting their initial uh, introductions to one another through these dating apps. And how are they matching you? Well, we use something called algorithms, which are um, sophisticated computer programs. Quite often, they are, they are powered by artificial intelligence uh, that can learn and uh, see patterns over time. And when they start to see those patterns, um, it could be based on anything like engagement for example like do you actually go on a date with that person 
uh, like, do you swipe right or do you swipe left? It, it, it looks at like huge populations of people on these dating apps and it starts to see who are the types of people that people that kind of have your background, your profile characteristics, which ones you're going to most likely going, want to go on a date. And it gets better and better and better over time with more and more training it gets. And this is why you could narrow down your search to just like a few thousand people, even though this dating app could have millions of people using it at one time. So what is it exactly? It's pretty much a recommendation engine, we call them. So just like you have on Netflix or on Amazon, you know, where you see like, given that you liked this movie, we think you will like these as well, or these TV shows, or given that you purchased this item on Amazon, most people also bought it with this item. So it's this kind of patterning that they start to develop and how it it builds that kind of matchmaking expertise is by your personal choices, but also by collaborative filtering, it's called. So we take all the information of the millions of people that are using this app and we start to see like which profiles are popular and which ones are less popular. And so you start to exclude, you know, profiles that are incomplete or profiles that have very low quality images because people are not really engaging with them. And the algorithm can figure that out. So that's really great. But at the end of the day, also keep in mind that there's probably profiles on these uh, dating platforms that are routinely excluded for whatever reason. So what is it? Is it good or is it bad? How do we know if we're being excluded? So let's say somebody is on a dating app and they're not finding they're being successful. How do they know if they're being excluded? And by the way, if you're just joining us, we're talking about sex and technology with Dr. Jason Behrman. It's a segment Dr. Lori has on every month. So we're getting the latest right now and we're finding out that the dating apps might not be as perfect for us as we thought. Mm -hmm. So you asked a really good question. It's like, how do I know if I'm being excluded or not? Well, you don't really. It, it, it might be hard for you to identify um, that, that your profile is being docked for some reason or is being um, less favored than others. It could be based on very legitimate criteria or it could just be like on certain kinds of bugs that were uh, programmed into the algorithm and they just dock you and they make your profile show up way less often. But overall, many people feel that um, these dating apps could have a, a very beneficial uh, uh, outcomes on society. Because we know now that the vast majority of us practice something called endogamy, which means we're most likely to marry and date people that are very much like us. So we will only go on dates with people that have the same kind of education level, same kind of wealth level, quite often the same race, same religion, same, 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 like same neighborhoods. And um, is that good or is that bad? It's... Um, a lot of the socio sociology research in marriage shows that because humans like to practice endogamy or dating people like ourselves, we reinforce social inequalities in society where, you know, the poor only stay with the poor, the rich only stay with the rich. This type of religious background only stays in that, that kind of a community, you see? You would think that with online dating, it was actually diversifying, that people were meeting people outside of their own circles. Mm -hmm. And I guess we're really not based on these algorithms. Well, that's what people are saying that these algorithms help uh, combat, which is they can break down all those walls and you can reestablish different kinds of criteria. You can actually program them to have different kinds of criteria that will match you with people. And some of the criteria we use to match people is um, like a, 
um, a personality profile. Um, what are your likes? What are your dislikes? Many of these apps will give you, um, they'll ask you several different kinds of questions of like what you're looking for, what you like, what you don't like. And that could be very helpful. We actually do have a question about mm -hmm. algorithms and what they are. Can you explain what an algorithm is? Okay, so it's pretty much a, a sophisticated software. That's it. So instead of programming every little bit of an action in some kind of software like you would use on your computer, you could just build a really great foundation and you could, um, the, the algorithm itself will be able to change and, and grow over time as you use it more and more. And so a lot of them have artificial intelligence in it, which means that the more and more information or data you feed it, it gets smarter and smarter and changes over time without a human sitting there on a keyboard changing it, you know, coding it and, and changing the algorithm to some kind of well-defined end. It's more, think of it as like very dynamic, cool software. I hope that answers your question. You're listening to Passion. We're on weeknights from 10 to 11 p.m. talking love, sex, and relationships. Tonight, we're talking sex and technology with Dr. Jason Behrman. We've been talking about the problems with facial recognition, um, sorry, with the risks of algorithms and depending on algorithms to find your significant other. We are coming up going to be talking about facial recognition technology in the adult industry. Um, Dr. Behrman, when he was explaining this to me, I'm like, how does it affect us? Like, how does it affect regular people? I didn't see the relevance, but you'll find out that it does. And we're going to find out more about that coming up. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the show. Tonight we're talking about sex and technology. We're keeping the same schedule even though Dr. Lori is away. By the way, she's on vacation for the next week. My name is Paris Menser. I'm going to be sitting in with her. If you want to connect with me, you can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Paris Mansuri. We've been talking with Dr. Jason Behrman. He is a researcher at the Montreal Artificial Intelligence Ethics Institute, and he's an expert in technologies. And every month he comes in and talks to us about how certain technologies affect sexuality, relationships, and dating. And right now we're talking about the risks of algorithms and how dating apps are basically redefining courtship mm -hmm. in many ways. And by the way, before we get to that question, we had somebody text in asking about smart TVs being able to spy on us when they're turned off uh, and about Siri listening into our conversations. Uh, we are talking about tech, but we're talking about text as it relates to sexuality. And whoever texted that, you can definitely text in your questions to Mark Saltzman. That's Saturdays at six o'clock during the show Tech Talk. And he will definitely be able to answer your questions in a more specific manner. So, uh, Dr. Behrman, the risks, uh, with the algorithms and how they're affecting how we date and and are they really affecting it deep down? We had somebody else text saying that, you know, there are more interracial marriages mm -hmm. compared to 30 years ago. There seems to be more acceptance of interfaith marriages, more mm -hmm. so than before. So should we really be concerned? Well, yes, that's definitely true. So we're starting to see some of these endogamy, I was calling them, these walls being broken down where um, for the longest time in history, human history, we would always 
almost by by default marry someone that was a lot like us and now we start we start seeing with uh, multiculturalism and more open-mindedness and progressiveness in our societies that people are um couples are becoming more diverse more diverse in, in in terms of religion interracial marriage etc etc um so is that a good thing or is that a bad thing i see that as a very positive thing and um we are on uh, uh, the right path, I guess you could say. Like we're, we're we keep progressing in, in a good di- direction. And uh, do we want algorithms on these dating apps to reinforce that journey, or can it? Uh, can these algorithms become fundamentally biased without us really knowing, and actually start taking us in the wrong direction, back to you know thirty plus years ago? That is the risk that we're talking about now, and we have to keep our eyes on that. And biased algorithms is not new. This is a, a problem in the field of artificial intelligence that is very well known and strongly debated. And so in terms of these dating algorithms, some people are at raising some questions as to whether or not they could be fundamentally biased in terms of not encouraging mixed race matching. That was one issue that came up. Because if you if your algorithm is looking at all these people on the on this dating site and the vast majority like let's say 80% or more of people choose or stipulate specifically to only date someone of the same race or same religion then the algorithm learns oh this is probably what people want and then you could reinforce this whole notion of endogamy and it's like well why do you care I and mean, i started off the discussion with that statistics there where you know 40 to 60% of the population now they're meeting their first mate through these platforms using this technology. So if the technology is a little bit wonky, if it's not working very properly, you could imagine how in like a generation you could start getting reinforced biases in terms of dating, marriage, and so on and so forth in society. And it's interesting because they found like one study was looking at uh, a very popular dating app and they saw that black women uh, received the fewest messages of any demographic on uh, this very popular dating app. Um. There's many studies, uh, many uh, dating apps um, allow you as as a user to filter your matches by race or and anything like that. And so that raises questions of like, are we going to reinforce racial inequalities in the real world? Apparently we are. You're listening to Passion. We're on weeknights from 10 to 11 p.m. Tonight we're talking about sex and technology with Dr. Jason Behrman. He's a researcher at the Montreal Artificial Intelligence Ethics Institute. We're talking about algorithms and how they're affecting the way that we're dating. Um, and apparently we are becoming a bit more selective, not only in the way that we choose a mate. I mean, we base it on, on attractiveness and images. But Dr. Behrman was earlier saying how accounts that don't have images that are high quality or accounts that don't have a lot of activity coming from them are not as visible. Mm -hmm. So there are people who are being excluded. So they're on this dating app thinking they're getting an equal shot, but they're being excluded from the conversation or from the swiping circles. Exactly. So, and you might not even know this. And another issue that people have raised is that, um, we believe that we have more evidence that some of these uh, algorithms they use on these dating sites could be biased, especially biased towards racial minorities. And that's some people say this is one of the reasons why specific dating sites um, are, are popular 
uh, amongst uh, uh, minority groups. So um, some people were not liking the experience they had on the primary dating apps out there. So then um, specialty uh, dating apps came out that would focus on the Latino population or the Jewish population. You see, because then yeah, like Christian singles or J date uh, or J-date, yeah, Amo Latina is another one. So people are thinking, it's like, is it a chicken or an egg kind of situation? Like, did these uh, dating platforms form? just because there was a demand or or did they form out of response that the major dating apps were not working very well for these minority groups which do you think it is i i don't know i really have to look at at, at the at the data and the information and you know like all of this is so new it's it's such a new world now and dating and technology and these dating apps and these algorithms i still think we're going to have to wait a few years to really have a fundamental understanding of what's going on. And let's say you are somebody who wants to use a dating app. You're still curious. You still want to just have the experience. What would you tell or how would you tell someone to approach their experience to make sure that it is the best possible experience for them? Well, I was going to go over that after uh, at the end. But in general, if you're not having a really good experience on one of these major dating apps, uh, be open-minded and try another one. And maybe try one that is more focused on minority populations or whatnot. And maybe you could have a better experience. But once again, keep in mind, if you are going to use a dating app that focuses on a minority population, there's an inherent bias right there. And right there, you're kind of um, painting yourself into a corner. So if you're using JDate, for example, it's understood that that app is for uh, Jewish singles. Okay, So if you want to marry someone or date someone that is Jewish, great, go for it. But keep in mind that you just like closed off uh, a large segment of the population where, you know, Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright might might be. They just might not be Jewish, you know. Okay. <laughs> and let's say that's not the option you want to take. Mm-hmm. What what else could you do? Is there are there are there better pictures you should be using? Are there better words that we should be using? Well, yeah, there are. Um, there's lots of rules um, out there. And I'm I'm sure they even have consulting services now to that oh help people. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's a big industry. So they have coaches, dating coaches and other consulting services that will review your dating profile and they will give you tips on how to improve it and to like maximize it for whatever kind of outcome you're looking for. And yeah, you can mess around with them because what I'm going to talk about now is people have been able to game these algorithms. So there's a couple. Uh, instances where um, super geeks um, f- found a bunch of profiles of men or women that they found really interesting and they're like, I want to go on a date with that kind of crowd, but the algorithm is not matching me up with them and they were able to make tweaks and figure out how the algorithm was working so that those people that they were aspiring to date would always come into their feed and they were able to game it so that their profile would also go into their feed and they would get a date with you know the in crowd that they were looking for that otherwise they would have never been paired up with so yeah you can mess around with this yeah you can change your profile you can change the content of what is in it you can change your responses to um, different surveys they ask you when you set up your profile so that you could nudge it towards the kind of people that you would prefer to date but maybe might be a bit out of your league let's say and people are actually doing this oh yeah yeah so there's one uh, quantitative futurist uh, Amy Webb um, look, look at the work of Amy Webb uh, spelled W-E-B-B um, 
Yeah, so she created a handful of fake accounts depicting the types of men she wanted to marry and learned what her highly rated competitors' profiles looked like. After applying these insights to her own prof- profile, she became the most popular woman on this dating site. <laughs> So she knew she knew how how to figure it out, and there was another mathematician who did something very similar. His name was uh, Christopher McKinley. So there you go. So you think that you're going on these dating apps and being vulnerable and open, and there's still people out there trying to cheat and trick the system. Uh, well, it's it's you know it's 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 technology. It's this inanimate kind of thing. It doesn't have reasoning like a human being. So if you figure out kind of how it's working, you can manipulate it. Yeah. To your benefit. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jason Behrman is joining us tonight. We're talking about technology and sexuality, relationships and dating. Coming up, we're going to talk about pro- uh, problems with facial recognition technology in the adult industry. But right now it's 1030 and it's time to get the latest from the CJAD 800 newsroom. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, Dr. Lori is away. My name is Paris. I'm filling in for her for the next two weeks. If you want to connect with Dr. Lori while she's away, you can check her out on her social media at Dr. Lori Batito. I would suggest we let her have her vacation. So no questions while she's away. But if you do want to email her, it's Lori at drlori.com. If you want to connect with me, it's at Paris Mansuri on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And tonight we're talking about the latest technologies that have to do with sexuality, relationships, and dating. In studio with me is Dr. Jason Beerman. He is a researcher at the Montreal Artificial Intelligence Ethics Institute. We've been talking about algorithms and dating and finding our significant other. And now we're going to move on to uh, facial recognition technology and how it's affecting the adult entertainment industry. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, before we got to air, Dr. Behrman was talking to me about it and I was trying to understand the relevance to just mainstream, to just, you know, everyday people, you know, with regular jobs. How does this affect us? And apparently it does. So can you tell us a bit about the problem? Like what's what's going on and how is facial rec- uh, facial recognition technology being used? So first off, let's uh, describe what the technology is. So just like the name describes, facial recognition, is uh, it's a technology that's powered by artificial intelligence and it allows a computer to recognize your face. And then once it understands the, the little bits and pieces of your face, it becomes kind of like a fingerprint. And then you can match that fingerprint fingerprint with other images of you um, on a social media platform or in a video, for example. And uh, this is really helpful for identifying people. Like in the future, I doubt you'll need uh, all these uh, identification documents and whatnot. Um, But it could also be used in very strange and oppressive ways. So on a past episode of Passion here, I described how people were using the technology to harass adult film stars and escorts, uh, people who working in the sex trade industry. So they were using an app called Fine Face, and they would take um, some some kind of people that wanted to do some kind of crazy uh, vigilante justice against uh, people in the sex trade in Russia. They used this uh, Fine Face app, and they took images of women on escort service uh, websites. And then using the the technology, they were able to identify uh, which of these women had a profile on a popular social media site. 
Um, so like the Russian equivalent of Facebook, for example. And once they were able to identify them, they got their name. And then through more digging, they were able to identify either like family members or um, their place of employment. And uh, they harassed these women. Uh, it was it was pretty terrible, the descriptions. And they would contact their employer, for example, and they would say, hey, do you know what this person's doing on the weekend? Or they would contact family members and they would out them as uh, being um, people in the adult industry. And you can imagine how stigmatizing and how that could just like how stigmatizing that could be and how that could just ruin your family relationships, your career, et cetera, et cetera. So somebody who's just doing this on the side in secret doesn't want the whole world to know, but needs a couple. I'm not talking about adult entertainers, obviously. Mm -hmm. They're film stars. But let's say you are an escort on, Mm -hmm. you know, a smaller website or, Mm -hmm. you know, a smaller service agency. I mean, this is the sex trade and, you know, it is a business. And if you're trying to conduct that privately, somebody could come and out you. Exactly. And this is getting harder and harder. And we know for a fact that there's many people that dabbled a little bit in the adult industry, whether it be pornography or something else or being a stripper or, or whatever it is. I, I know, I know personally people who helped fund their university education by doing this. Um, and you know, that was a period of their life that they wished that they could just like leave behind. It was necessary at the time. But now, um, with this technology, sometimes this could pop up again and it's kind of hard for you to bury your past and you could, uh, become uh, stigmatized or uh, harassed later on, even though, you know, you just had that period of your life in early university <laughs> to help you make ends meet. So, with that being said, there was a recent uh, reporting in the Rolling Stone where they find evidence that um, a Chinese uh, computer programmer has built a similar technology, and they were describing it on a popular social network site uh, called Weibo. And um, they claim, this uh, Chinese programmer says, uh, they claim that their technology can now recognize the faces of over 100,000 adult performers. And so you could cross-check um, the porn performers' images, and uh, you could get them from X-Video or Pornhub, and then it will be able to identify that person on popular social media platforms like Facebook or TikTok. So... That is kind of interesting, and they claim that this is, could be a way for you to have like a better connection or uh, identifying adult performers that you particularly like. But the developer of this technology said specifically he wants it for men, for so men to use it, so that if you're dating a new woman, someone that you don't really know, you could check to see whether or not they were in the adult industry before. <laughs> that's ter- that's terrifying. I mean, that when you look at privacy laws and how far behind we are in advancing them to to answer to to these kind of technologies, it's really terrifying. And what happens if you kind of resemble someone? Yeah, that's another thing is that this technology is not 100% perfect. And we do know um, some of it is better than others, depending on how well it was trained and how well it was developed. Uh, sometimes they have a, a pretty significant error rate. So you might be confused with uh, someone else using this technology. You might be confused with a with an, an adult star when you're not that person, you know. And how and this technology exists right now? Oh, yeah, you can get it. A, a lot of it is uh, available freely online. <laughs> a lot of the the basic uh, technology itself was developed in in prominent universities uh, around the world and um you could download it for free and you could build it up and make your own technologies uh for facial recognition so what's next well um the police are using it a lot now and this is uh, raising a lot of debate as to whether or not it's acceptable for the police to build up data banks of 
uh, perceived criminals or past criminals with their mugshots and then be able to, you know, surveil you wherever it may be, either, either online or in the real world. And we know that some police departments were starting to build um, data banks of sex trade workers. Um, not necessarily that like sex trade work is illegal in those jurisdictions, but the police were claiming, oh, um, we're doing this preemptively to prevent um, human trafficking because that's a big problem in, in the industry. But then you have these sex trade workers that are saying like, hey, the cops are collecting all this information on me. This could go horribly wrong if it's not being regulated or we have the right kind of oversight to make sure that they're not going to abuse this kind of power because this technology can give you a heck of a lot of power. It's it's ter- <laughs> there's no the conversation can can go on for for hours over this because mm-hmm. there are some you would think there are a tremendous amount of benefits to this if mm-hmm. police can be preemptive in their approach mm-hmm. to you know sex trafficking victims but then when you look at the flip side of it and and who's using it to find out secrets about somebody's past that they may not want revealed it's really scary Dr Jason Behrman is joining me in studio we're talking about sex and technology relationships and dating coming up we're going to talk about trading sex for a roof over your head you're listening to passion passion with Dr Lori Batido on CJAD 800 sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri Welcome back to the show. We've been talking about sex and technology with Dr. Jason Behrman, a researcher at the Montreal Artificial Intelligence Ethics Institute. Uh, we're going to be talking about trading sex for a roof over your head now, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, you would think sex trade or you think of, you know, a sugar baby who has a sugar daddy and, mm-hmm. and they'll trade it and, and they're, you know, okay with it. That's what they're doing. They want a high-end luxury apartment and nice clothes. But what you mentioned is actually far more serious than yes. that. So this is um, it's 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 something of, of great importance. So what one of the we're, we're going to have an election soon here in Canada, right? And one of the key issues that people are debating is a high uh, cost of living in many areas of our country, especially in terms of cost of housing. And now we're starting to see just like how bad the situation is. And what we're seeing in Canada and other areas of the world is that there's a growing number of ads or uh, posts on uh, online platforms uh, for apartments and they are specifically stating or using very nuanced language to kind of make it less obvious but there are landlords that are offering the opportunity uh, primarily for women but also for men as well to have a discounted rent or pay no rent at all if they're willing to have sex with a landlord and it's because you know it's housing is becoming so expensive that there is like a large group of people in our society that i think are kind of vulnerable and maybe this would provide them with uh, an option other than homelessness. And that's really unfortunate. How prevalent is it? Well, um, it's not cool. (laughs) So there was a recent YouGov poll. So YouGov is in the United Kingdom and they're um, uh, a way to collect uh, statistics and surveys on the population. And this poll uh, suggested that nearly a quarter million women in the United Kingdom have been offered free or reduced rent in exchange for sexual favors in the past five years. That seems like a lot to me. There was a charity that focuses on homeless po- uh, populations called Shelter, and they found, um, also through a YouGov uh, survey, 140,000 prospective female tenants have been propositioned by landlords in the past year alone for this kind of exchange. 
And they also found that there are um, many students in different university towns that are also being targeted. Because when you're a poor student, oh, it's spoken from experience during my university days, finding an apartment that was not a total rat's nest of quality that was affordable, it was tough. So that's the situation in the United Kingdom. What's it like here in Canada where we're seeing the cost of living rise exponentially, especially in areas like Vancouver and Toronto? Well, they find um, there was uh, undercover reporters that uh, find um, th- that were meeting up with landlords that were offering uh, this kind of exchange in Vancouver. And um, it's, it's pretty common. And you could see these ads popping up on Craigslist. Um, they're... Oh, sorry. One second. There's, but this there's Craigslist. actual ads on Craigslist saying, saying that the 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 landlord will trade rent or will ro- lower rent for in exchange for a second. And this is legal. Um, good question. Because if you're not saying specifically, uh, this is why you could use this nuanced language, you know. Um, but they describe like the the investigative journalist who who uh, answered one of these ads. She said that uh, when she met up with the landlord, it's usually like a situation where there's a one bedroom apartment, and it's of quality, and it's understood that you're going to be sleeping in the same bed say like there's no mattress on the floor and uh she described the situation where she met uh met the the person uh that posted one of these ads she said it was almost like a first date kind of situation where she had to meet him so he was asking about her background her family and her hobbies and all this and she said it was just weird so we were finding ads on kijiji as well here in montreal um mm, uh, the Journal de Montréal, they found at least 10 ads on Kijiji uh, offering cheaper rent in exchange for sex, targeting women and men. And are these reported to the police? Um, I don't know. Uh, is it illegal to post an ad like this? I'm not sure. It is kind of exploitive. Hmm. But I mean, it falls into prostitution. That would be a question for... Our attorney, Linda Hammerschmidt, we're going to talk to her next week. I'm going to make sure to ask her the question. Um, And what are the, I mean, are there anything, is there anything being offered, any service or any solution for this? No, but we're starting to ask questions now whether or not we need regulations and say we're, um, you, you can't proposition people, you can't. You can't force desperate people on the verge of homelessness to exchange their bodies for like, a roof over their heads. And, you know, like how safe would that living arrangement be? How stable would it be? Because if you suddenly say, no, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm sure the landlord will just like kick you out, which would be terrible. And so this is what we're seeing also in Edmonton. So Edmonton, for example, they had an economic downturn now uh, due to the fall in oil prices. And they are seeing um, people who work in, in the the home, uh, with homeless populations, they're raising red flags where they're saying there's women that uh, are suddenly homeless for whatever reason it is. They cannot find a room in a shelter because there's not enough room. There's not enough beds for them. And they say that some of these women are falling prey to these exploitive um, sex for rent ads. <laughs> so much information and so little time. Dr. Jason Behrman, thank you so much. Thank for you. joining us tonight and and for sharing your insight and your knowledge. Uh, we cut it short on a bunch of different topics, so yeah. I look forward to touching on these again with you. If anyone wants to connect, how can they contact you? Uh, okay, so you spell my family name. It's a little bit strange. It's B-E-H-R-M-A-N-N. And Jason, you could connect with me on... Um, on LinkedIn, or you can uh, connect with me on Twitter as well, where my handle is jbarrimanphd. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you to David Simon for getting this show to air, our technical producer. That's it for me. If you want to connect with me, it's at Paris Mansouri on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You've been listening to Passion. If you do want to connect with Dr. Lori, she's on vacation, but you can email her at lori at drlori.com. You can stay tuned for the news now. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to fill your life with passion.